So just uh, talking about us as uh, either employees or business people, what's what's our biggest asset being in business or, or as an employee? Well, if you went to the bank, they would uh, be looking at your, obviously, your um, your home as an asset. You know, your, your cars are an asset. Do you have an investment portfolio that's an asset? You know, they look at your stuff as an asset. We view an asset as something that's able to generate an income or put income in your pocket as, as an asset. And I think we are the asset, the employee, the business person, because if you uh, aren't able to generate an income, then none of the other stuff matters either. So you really need to be the important asset that's looked after adequately. Right. Yes. Us, as, as the asset, we're the most important asset out of everything because without us, then nothing works. There's no one to live in the house. There's no one to drive the car, any of those things. And there's no one to generate all the money in the first place. We are the most important asset. So now as a business owner, then this becomes another, another level uh, because you're, you're your most important asset. You're creating this profit. You're creating this money. And then you've got this money, this profit, this extra um, stuff that you can do with. And everyone tells you, well, you should be investing that money so you can you know, put it to work for you. But what happens? What happens when you do that? When you go and take your money to a banker, what do they say? Well, they want you to diversify your assets. I call it Spread divers- diversify. Right. Diversify. Put a, yeah. put a little yeah. sum over here in guaranteed stuff. Put a little sum over here in bonds because it's not affected by the stock market. Put a little over here in stocks, equities, because we need the growth potential over the long term to uh, do better than inflation and taxes. But they don't, they don't ever mention you putting, putting the money back into the machine that created the money in the first place where the rate of return is always significantly higher than anything they've suggested. Yeah, like what, what kind of rate of returns can, can, does so, do some bankers say or do some investment people say? If I bring them my money, what are they going to say to me? What, what, can I, what can I expect? Well, you know, years ago we used to talk about 12 and 15% average annual returns. However, nowadays, if anybody says 6%, that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. Realistic expectations would be more like 4%. And if you are risk adverse and you don't want to incur any risk or stock market fluctuation or investment fluctuation, you've got to settle for 2 to 3%. And that hardly like keeps per pace. Year. Per, per year. year yeah. Per annum or whatever, yeah. right? And that hardly keeps pace with inflation and taxes. So you're losing money there too. We know that's not the solution. Right. So it, yeah. for then to us to take that money and go and give it to someone else and for them to go and invest it and do something with it and what kind of return are we going to get over the course of some year? It's like, you know, 2 to 6% if we're, uh, if we're lucky. But what happens when you take your money to somebody else? You're relinquishing control. You've given up control and the ability of that money to earn an income and now it's, you've given that up to somebody else to earn an income rather than you. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? You've got, you got successful business people that make really good money, or even high-paid employees, they make really good money. And the first thing they do is put it outside someplace for somebody else to manage their money for them rather than putting it back into the place where they made the money in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, why would we do that? Why aren't we putting it back and reinvesting back in the machine that made the money in the first place? Mm-hmm. In our, in our situation, it's each of our businesses. We do, we do three different things. We get paid differently. Why wouldn't we reinvest back in the business that actually generated the money in the first place? And it's a way better rate of return than we would ever find handing the money over to somebody else. Well, exactly. And you think about even just the idea of um, 
of marketing. And if you have the right amount of marketing dollars and you put it in the right place, you know, a hundred dollars could turn into a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, depending on what kind of contract that you have, what kind of thing that you're selling, what kind of service you're doing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't you never you don't it depends on each individual person in their business. But even then the idea of putting in a hundred and then getting back a thousand is like, okay, well, that's a lot better than two to six percent over the course of a year. Right. You you take your hundred, you put it in and you get a thousand back. And then you take your thousand and you put it in and you get ten thousand back. You can do that over and over and over again over the course of a year when you're talking about marketing and advertising and marketing what it is that you do. Yep. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you put it in a place that you can get a good return on investment? Because you know that it's going to work for you. I mean, you have to find the right marketing. You have to find the right advertising. But at the same time, that seems like a no-brainer. But no one tells you to do that. You should be taking your money and you should be investing it and diversifying it and putting it out, out there. Well, let me pose you this question. If you went to your friendly stockbroker and you asked them some advice, you got $100,000 and you're asking him, well, what should I do with this hundred grand? What's he going to propose to you? He's going to have a few stocks that we should put it in. Exactly. A stockbroker is going to recommend stocks. Why? Because that's how he makes his bread and butter, or she. If I was to go to a, a banker and ask them for some advice, what kind of advice do you think you would get from a banker? It would have something to do with the products that they have to provide, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you go to just a life insurance person and that's all they know and all they do, they're going to have an insurance solution to your problem. Or if you're dealing with a gold buff, they're going to they're gonna say, I think you should you, you buy gold and silver. Or if you go to a cryptocurrency, uh, I don't know how that's sold, but if you have one of those uh, people that you go to say, I've got money to invest, they're going to involve you in cryptocurrency. So how do you know what's best for you? And the, the problem is, is most of us invest in areas that we know nothing about. We don't know anything about it. We're totally at the whim of the person telling us what they think we should do with it. And we end up losing money. We don't understand. We pay the wrong price when we get in. We don't know when to get out. Who's advising us? They're all there to sell stuff. Who's there to actually advise us on what's best for us and alert us to the the dangers and the hazards? You know, unfortunately, that's not the norm out there. Very few people are there to actually help us unless they're getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. That's always a challenge. One of the best places that you could invest is something that you actually know about. Exactly. And uh, are comfortable with and have some good understanding or or that you like to study and are able to keep up with what's happening and yep. and changing and that's that's um definitely a, a good key point to make mm-hmm. you want to be investing in something that you're you're definitely comfortable with well i hear people say you know there's a lot of money to be made in real estate uh, who's that suitable for probably contractors people who are handy who are able to buy a house and flip it or people who are willing to put up with the stresses of renters, um, especially, you know, in residential. Uh, commercial is a whole different ballgame because you can make really good money on commercial real estate and you can also charge the people that are renting for maintenance and stuff like that. So there's all different sides to real estate. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can just be an outside investor in somebody else's real estate stock, like you were telling me about. Mm-hmm. Yep. That they're really good at buying real estate and, and managing it, and you just get a little piece of the pie as, it, as you, they use your money to buy more real estate. 
Okay. What's nice about real estate, if you're a qualified real estate investor, is you can leverage your money. You know, for uh, for ten thousand dollars, you can you can buy a hundred thousand dollar piece of property, or if you put you know fifty thousand down, you can probably two hundred buy a two hundred fifty thousand dollar property. So you can leverage your fifty thousand, let's say, into a two hundred fifty thousand dollar investment. And so, if the property goes up ten percent, you're making twenty five thousand versus you know five thousand on your fifty. So, so it allow it allows you to take the benefit of, of uh, leverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there's a lot of risk and knowledge and experience that needs to go with it, and most people are not suitable. It's yeah. not suitable for them. Although it may be a good place to uh, to invest, um, it's not a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people doing doesn't it doesn't mean that everybody should Ma- be. Yeah, or it yeah. doesn't mean that everyone's making lots of money on it. Exactly, right? that's the thing. Is like it comes down to it. It's not a hands-off activity. Uh, it has to be hands-on. If you want it to be hands-off, then you need to hire somebody to do all the hands-on stuff. And then you're paying them a whole bunch of your profits mm-hmm. to do it. If you're renting out a four a fourplex and mm-hmm. you got all those people in there, you need someone else to manage it to make sure that it's always full mm-hmm. and to make sure that it's working and nothing gets broken and nothing mm-hmm. gets burned down. Um, you have to pay someone some of your profits in order to do that, or you have to do it yourself. Yeah, That's what it comes down to is basically... Um, realizing that you know, real estate investment can be lucrative, but at the same time, it's not hands-off. Mm-hmm. It can also be short-term and long-term. You right. can have a property and rent it for years and years and years, yeah. and you have income coming in every month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole different ball game of what you have to deal with every month yeah. to have that versus just flipping a house and selling, taking the profit, yeah. paying the tax, and moving on to something else and doing the work again. Yeah. Right? And on the flip side... Uh, I'm a big gold and silver buff. And gold and silver, you're not going to make huge money by buying gold and silver right now and then trying to sell it two weeks later. That's a hard thing to do at the moment because there's, even here in Prince George, there's no there's no dealer that you can go to and right. walk in and do it easily. But if you're looking at long-term growth, it's the only real money that we've ever had on earth. Everything else is currency and debt. There's no, there's no other real money other than gold and silver and actual physical items that you can trade and barter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's totally different, another aspect of, of investment. Well, that's long-term investment that is potential to be very good with what they're doing with the financial system right now. Mm-hmm. So if we had, let's say we had a machine uh, in our home that was able to generate hundred thousand dollars a year like we had a machine that could generate a hundred thousand dollars a year this thing would just keep running and generate a hundred grand would we would we insure it yeah you don't want it to break down exactly like we insure our cars we insure our homes we insure our health we insure our income we insure our mortgages and our debt I mean we buy insurance for everything but how many people neglect to put insurance on that machine that's able to generate a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. How many people even realize what that machine is? Right. It's you and you and me and everybody else who has a job that works for a living. Have they adequately looked at insuring their income or their ability to earn an income? And most people haven't or don't. Their idea of insuring uh, their mortgage is getting bank mortgage insurance. Well, what good is that to you and me and our family and our kids and anybody else? 
it's of no benefit to us. It's only a benefit to the bank. Well, why would we buy that kind of insurance? Yet people are buying mortgage insurance from their bank all the time. Because they go to the bank for advice. And ask for it, right. Of course you're going to want this to protect your loved ones. So, you know, if you died, you wouldn't have any debt. Yeah, you won't have any debt, but you won't have any money either. You'll still be broke even if your house is paid for. Yeah. So that's not a solution. So we have solutions on what to do instead. Mm -hmm. Own your own policy. I'm not going to get into all the details of what you can do, but that's why we're here, is to show you what to do that's for beneficial for you rather than somebody else. Mm. Yeah. That's just one more thing. I mean, we can go down the list and talk about this all afternoon. So what else about this machine should we be thinking about? Well, we want something that's guaranteed. We want something that's going to be uh, beneficial for us and our family and our beneficiaries. It'll provide an immediate need, um, but also um, a future need down the road. That's so it's not money down the tubes. You know, we look at we look at uh, different types of things that have some type of short-term benefit, and some uh, that benefit expires after a certain period of time. And then there's other benefits that are long-term consequences, where you the benefit is uh, there today, but also down the road and limited, limited on what you can take out and how how yeah. much you can. Yeah. what you can do with it yeah that's the thing is it's about having flexibility and um, having access to to the money that we put into any kind of a product or anything we do we want to have access to it if things change and right now a lot of the stuff that we're that's being marketed out there it's it's a one-way street the money goes in you can't get it back till you're a certain age or you can't get it back unless there's a you pay taxes on it or you can't get it back until you know some there's some set of rules following the money and it's, that's the case with most of the stuff that we're doing. You know, the bank wants to get you tied into a 25-year mortgage repayment plan. They're going to be making hundreds of thousands of dollars on your $300,000 mortgage over 25 years. That's their long-term plan. How's your investment doing? You know, we want to compare investments and how they, how they grow versus how your debt grows. Why is it that the banks are allowed to front-end load and have the compounding at the front end of the program and the rest of us, our savings, we get paid at the far end of the program where the chances of us even sticking with the program are slim because of all these other financial emergencies that show up where we need to access that money. We have the need for the money along the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, the current system doesn't allow you to access it unless you're penalized a lot. Right. If you like this episode, you're going to love our free online workshop that explains the concept and many others in more detail. The True Wealth Workshop will give you the tools to get out of debt quicker, get your finances in order the right way. Sign up for the free online workshop at mycustombank.com.